I have a message on my heart for ever since December last year. And now I'm going to give birth to that message. <laughs> It's on my heart. I was studying the Bible in Mark 8, and we're going to dive into that story in just a minute. And um, I was, I'm so pumped to preach that message tonight because it's actually, it's a follow-up from last weekend. Who was there last weekend when Todd White was preaching? About a half, two-thirds of it. Amazing. Watch the podcast. I'm still, in a good way, totally messed up from this weekend. I had the honor to be with Todd uh, over the whole weekend from Thursday to Sunday. I was hosting him and we experienced so many miracles in such a natural way. We saw legs growing and then it was a little bit longer than the other one and then he prayed again and then it adjusted the other one as well. And that guy, he's uh, a waiter from the Renaissance Hotel. I'm visiting him ever since then. And uh, so much good stuff was happening. And he said he has to rethink everything. Grew up Catholic. Um, uh, didn't really believe in God, but now he has to rethink everything. He said, hey, let's rethink together. I would love to talk with you, pray with you, and, and go on this journey with you. So great. Tonight I'm going to preach about, uh, for everybody who likes to take notes, most of the time the women take notes, like Jenny, Christine is taking her notebook, normally Jill always takes, but it's not a, it's not a woman thing, you know. Yeah, that's right. Glenn is taking his iPhone out, checking Facebook and pretending... No, just kidding. <laughs> anyway, if you want to take notes, the title of this message is A Blind World, A Blurred Church, and A Brighter Day. And it's right out of the Bible or from Mark 8. Let's dive into that story watching a little cartoon clip. As Jesus and his disciples were going into Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch the man. Jesus took him by the hand and led him out of the village where he spat into the man's eyes. He placed his hands on the blind man and asked him if he could see anything. The man looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. Once again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes and this time the man stared. His eyes were healed and he saw everything clearly. Jesus said to him, you may return home now, but don't go into the village. Wow. What a weird and yet amazing story. So here's Jesus and his disciples and they came from a different town, starting to go into another town called Bethsaida. So he was walking and probably doing what he always did when he left one village and went into another one. He was on a mission to preach the good news. He always said, hey, the kingdom is near. Repent and believe and receive and, and, and have a taste of this kingdom. And he always was healing people and uh, always was praying for people, casting out demons from people who are oppressed. And there he found some friends and a blind man. And these friends were bringing that blind man to Jesus. So there's this amazing South African blind man. Thank you, friends. And we read, uh, Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village onto the stage. No, just kidding. <laughs> But uh, he took him out of His world, yeah, there's a step coming now, yeah, good, 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 good. Out of the village to a different place. 
And what he did basically, and you probably are looking forward to the very moment where I will spit later on. I'm also really looking forward to this very moment where I spit. No, just kidding. I don't spit, I don't spit into your glasses. I will take your glasses off, Sean. No. Anyway, so he was taking him out of this village. Have a seat here. Yeah. Thank you. He was taking him out of his blind world. I think we are living in a blind world. During that time where this blind man was walking around, being blind meant basically that was the ultimate picture of, um, of a reduced humanity, of a darkened way of living. I mean, he was blind, he couldn't see anything. If you were blind, you could not have a job, you probably won't have a family. During this time, there were, there were no, there were no um, dogs that could lead him or blind uh, letters to read or another job to, to follow. But this was the, the picture, the perfect picture of a reduced manhood. And I think we are living in a blind world in a metaphoric way. Doesn't know, not knowing Jesus, is basically being like blind. You don't have a sight for what the world is really about. And I think this is the world we are living in. A world with no real answers to the big questions we have in life. What are the big questions? What is our blind world trying to figure out? I think our world desperately wants to see and tries all kinds of stuff in order to see. And if you have a philosophical approach, the three most important questions in life, everybody needs to answer in order to make sense in life, in order to see something that is worth living for, are these three questions. Everybody has this question, where do I come from? Where do I come from? Why? Am I living? What on earth am I here for on earth? Why am I living? And then the third question is, where am I going? Basically, everybody here on this earth has these three questions. Where do I come from? Why am I living? And where am I going? So we live in this blind world trying to figure out these questions and we try to see. People in this world are trying to see what it means, what it, where do I come from. So trying to figure out science is trying to make sense and hasn't figured it out yet where we come from. The Big Bang Theory is out there but good scientists realize it's not really a good theory because there's so less, so few chance that this actually happened. Then there's other ways, probably, for example, religion. Religion is trying to figure out where do I come from? There's this being that created us and then now what you need to do is you have to act on, with good deeds or to act on, on, on earth so that this higher being is not angry anymore at you. But basically what religion is, 
It's following all kinds of rules in order to not have the wrath of this higher being or this more than one higher being, depending on what religion you believe in. Following rules, so it basically is rule-ligion. And that doesn't make sense. It doesn't really work. Why am I living? We are trying to make sense in life in order to have a sense in life and in order to have something worth living for. People think, yeah, what I need to be in order to be someone is I need a good job, which is all good stuff, by the way. But uh, have a job is the first thing. So you want to have a career, you want to have a good job that you're working for, and then you find out, now I have enough money that I can provide and start my own family. And when I have my family, then I can build a house. So I try to find a good job that earns enough money in order to start my own family and then have a house that I can build. And when I have this house, all of a sudden I'm starting to realize that uh, the, main, the, maintenance, the maintenance of this house actually costs a little bit higher than I actually could afford. So I need to invest more into my job and more into my career in order to maintain my house, that doesn't like, my family doesn't like that because I'm actually not so much more in this house anymore, I'm more at work trying to maintain uh, this house. And all of a sudden my family doesn't like it, my family shatters, breaks into pieces and there I am with my job, but no, I don't need any house, I can downsize because I don't have a family anymore. This is a little bit cliche what I'm talking, right? But I think this is the reality of most of the people in our blind world. Not to begin with, with the third question, where am I going? Nirvana, paradise, uh, nothing, we have no idea because nobody was there really. So we have no idea basically where we are going. A blind world trying to see and answering these questions. Our world is so blind and doesn't know anymore what this world is all about. There is no Jesus for most of the people that can take them by the hand and opening up their eyes. Tapping in darkness, being blind. It's not a good thing. But the majority of our world is tapping in darkness, trying to make sense in life, trying to answer these questions, trying to see. Friends of mine, neighbors from our old neighborhood, a great couple, married couple, now they have two children, back then they had one child. They had this huge marriage crisis, so me and Simone, we were starting to talk with them and then we did some marriage counseling with them and uh, it was all making sense somehow because we figured out together and they saw that, that they were hurting each other and what actually is the starting point of healing in their marriage was forgiveness. And then we brought the concept of Jesus because he forgave us so that I can forgive others. And we were saying, hey, does it make sense to you? And they said, yeah, it totally makes sense, but we, don't, we cannot take the step because it would change everything. And I thought to myself, yes, it would change everything for the better. Now, three years later, we moved into another neighborhood now and just two or three weeks ago, my wife saw them again at a um, birthday party um, and they still have the same problems right in front of a divorce, her going back to her country where she's from and leaving him because they are still basically in this trying to see. 
coat mode. In Psalms 40, verse 12, it says, My sins have overtaken me. I cannot see anymore. And since it's a very old-fashioned word, but, word, but uh, Leo was preaching about that a couple of weeks ago, sin actually in Greece means harmatia. And harmatia is basically, uh, it was, this is a word that was used in archery back then. So they were, um, they were doing archery competitions, so they had uh, an arrow and that arch, and sin was basically when they were trying to hit the bullseye, trying to, trying to hit the mark, harmatia was the, the word the people used all the way back there where the mark was, because some, it was far away from the archer, was what they screamed, harmatia, harmatia is when they missed the mark. They were missing the mark. That means harmatia. Sin means you're missing the mark. You are not about the stuff that actually you're here for. You're trying to do something, but it doesn't, it misses the mark. I think we need a savior who takes us by the hand out of our blind world. And I, I think Jesus must and he wants and he needs to take everybody by the hand and touch him the, so that they can see. The three top questions I think only Jesus and only Jesus can answer. John 14, verse 6, and I want to write that to you now and circle around something, is here you find the three answers to these three questions already, right there in this one verse. I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life so I am truth, I am the ultimate truth. I read that this morning in John 1. Jesus, in the beginning there was the Word, and the Word became flesh. Nothing was created without the world. Jesus was there right at the beginning of mankind, of the creation. That's where you come from. He is life and he gave you life. But he's not only that, he's also the way. And the way how he walked is actually the way how we should also walk to be his followers, to be his disciples means we are learners, we are students of his life. And that's what it's all about in life, to follow his ways, to act how he acts, to do the stuff he does, to speak about the stuff he does, to be in this relationship with the Father, how he was. This is what it's all about, to be in a relationship, to follow his way. He is the way. That's what you're here for, to get to know this loving Father who is there for you, who loves to go with you. And what is the ultimate goal? Where are you going at the end? If you're following this way, you're going to the Father. That is your ultimate destination. This is where you are heading towards if you're following Jesus. So there's the answers to these three questions, and the answer is Jesus like it always is in Sunday school, it's always the right answer, right? Jesus. He is the reason for the season. <laughs> Hopefully, people around there in this blind world, right outside of this building, in your neighborhood, in your working uh, field, wherever you are, hopefully, they have some friends who bring him to Jesus so that Jesus can take them by the hand outside of his village and actually touch them. So what Jesus is doing, he takes off his Ray-Ban glasses, 
and spits on him. And what he sees now is, he sees a little bit weird, you know. He, Jesus is asking him, what do you see? What do you see? I can see people, but it looks like the trees are walking around. People look like trees walking around. He has a little bit of a fuzzy, of a blurred sight, right? So I believe, sit down my Mr. Blind Man with this fuzzy sight, it's all gonna be good later. But I think we're living and we are a blurred church. We don't see all the way clear, right? I think, why, I asked myself when I was studying this uh, Bible stories, why doesn't Jesus heal him immediately? Is he not able to do it? Was he so blind? Because he healed blind men beforehand as well, and that happened directly. I think he was trying to make a point. I think he was trying to make a point that we don't receive perfect sight in one blink. We are a blurred church. The truth, the ultimate view, the really knowing God as he really is, comes step by step with another touch and another touch and another touch from Jesus. We are a blurred church. So that means we can be totally sighted and clear-sighted in one situation, in one area, and totally blurred in another area. This whole chapter, if you dive into it, I don't have the time for that, Mark 8 and also Mark 7, if you read it, is all about seeing. Jesus was being angry with the Pharisees and he was yelling at them that they don't see anything. And he was saying to them, why do you people ask for a sign again? What I'm about to tell you is true. No sign will be given to you. You will see no more sign because you are all about religion. You are missing the mark. Harmatia. And then he's talking to the disciples and uh, they see a little bit better. Let's look at the cartoon again, what happens right after this story of healing the blind man. What is happening? Jesus and his disciples went to the villages near the town of Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, what do people say about me? The disciples answered, some say you are John the Baptist or maybe Elijah. Others say you are one of the prophets. Then Jesus asked them, but who do you say I am? You are the Messiah, Peter replied. Jesus warned the disciples not to tell anyone about him. What do the people say? Yeah, Elijah, a prophet, a good man, whatever. They don't really see who Jesus is. And then all of a sudden, Peter comes with this bold statement, you are the Messiah. Crystal clear, he sees what Jesus really is, right? What an awesome moment. A few moments later, when Jesus was teaching the disciples, still on the way to another village, Jesus was talking about his death that he's about to experience in Jerusalem in order to come up and rise again. And then Peter, the same guy who says, you're the Messiah, says, no way, Jesus, you should not do this. And then Jesus said to him, Peter, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking about the things of God. Instead, you are thinking about human things. What does it tell me? It tells me Peter had still a little bit of a fuzzy view, right? Messiah? And then Jesus calls him, get behind me, Satan. 
get behind me Satan seems to me like a little bit fuzzy. You don't see everything still at this moment. What does it tell me? What does it say to you and me? That says we could see in one area crystal clear and in the other area or situation totally blurred. And it tells me I should not judge anyone because of their blurred view because I might be blurred in a different area as well, right? We are a blurred church. You could be an amazing wife, but a horrible mom. You could be an amazing businessman, but a horrible dad. I found out in my life I could be, I have the potential to be an amazing teacher at college or preacher with you using all the right words and then coming home and all of a sudden using all the wrong words. I have that potential. You know what I'm saying? Are you with me? Have you felt that for yourself? You might be having it all figured out about having words of wisdom and prophecies, but your finances can be a disaster. We are a blurred church. And the big question is, how does, do we receive full sight? How did that happen in that story? Let's look into the story again. So Jesus was taking him by the hand, spitting at him, and then he still sees a little bit fuzzy, a little bit fuzzy, he's saying, oh, oh, I see. I see. Perfectly. Huh? No, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. You still see a fuzzy. Yeah. What do you see? I see a big head, blurry, very blurry. Italian-looking hair, something, huh? I've never seen an Italian person. What is he saying right now? <laughs> What is he saying right now? He basically says... Jesus, you did not heal me completely. That's honesty right there. That is the way how you receive more sight, being honest. Hey, I don't know, are you Italian or not? Uh, you look a little bit like it, but you don't talk like that. You act a little bit like it, but you still are not like that. I see people walking around like trees. I still have a blurred view. He is honest. So Jesus needs to touch him one more time. And then, ultimately, all of a sudden, I can see. He can see. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much. You can see. So Jesus says, go back home, but not again into the village. That's a whole nother preach. Go back home, but not anymore into your blind world, into the habits of being blind. But it all starts with this one more touch. Touch me once more. I, I'm not... In one area, Jesus, in, in this situation, I, I think I was mastering it, how it how, what it means to follow your ways, but here I am in another situation. Please touch me again. Heal me. Let me see how you see. This is the whole process of being a Christian here on earth. We just came up and we were announcing this discipleship strategy, this culture of next step. We are all living a life in motion, one step at a time. And the Bible verse, the key verse is this. It says, and we all with, 
who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed. Here's a process. We are being transformed. It's not all of a sudden it's there, but we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, they want to take you by the hand and lead you into another step of starting to see more clear. Are you with me? That's what it's all about. Touch me once more. Change my sight. So there's all these areas. If you look at this, the areas of your life, um, there's faith and relationships and health and resources and work. And there's always another step. There's always more to discover, more to deepen in, more to see and more to share with other people. But again, how does this blind man receive perfect view in being honest that he doesn't see clearly yet? Are you honest with yourself? Are you honest with your Father in heaven? Maybe you have it all figured out in the area of faith. You believed in Jesus for many, many years. And you're walking with him and you're living in a loving relationship with the Father. And it's great and you're following Jesus. It feels so good. And you're even sharing your faith. But you're totally blurred and fuzzy seeing in the area of health. And all of a sudden you're realizing, wow, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. What am I feeding to my body? If my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, how do I eat? Do I exercise? How do I take care of this body being the temple of the Holy Spirit? Jesus living in me. Perfect sight and faith. Totally fuzzy and blurred in health. Just to make one example. For you, maybe it's something totally different. But it's all about being honest. Taking one step at a time. Asking God. Being honest with Him. Having friends who challenge you to go these steps, having a small group where you talk about that stuff and encourage each other to take one more step in order to see a little bit more what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it's all about. We had this amazing weekend and I could share with you so many stories where people got healed and me and my wife, for example, on last Saturday night, we, we went um, uh, to the hotel where Todd was uh, uh, to, to have a, to have a, spend time with him again and he said you know I, I gave away my waterproof jacket in America to a beggar he loved it was an expensive North Face jacket but I don't have he was in t-shirt and shorts <laughs> so could we buy another jacket so of course it's 7.30 let's quickly run to the club Centrum the mall it has half an hour more open let's quickly rush into there so we went to the Oxnarsport at Gladzentrum. And there was this uh, uh, young lady in the early, in her early 20s, and he said, hey, did you know that Jesus loves you? And she says, yeah, I know. I believe in him as well. Oh, that's awesome. How come? Do you go to a church? Yes, I go to ICF. Oh, wow, cool. Do you have a problem with your back from working? Yeah, I have a slip disc. Hey, can I pray for you? Give me your hand. So he commanded the slip disc to go away in Jesus' name and, and, and afterwards said, how do you feel? And she was shaking, said, it feels hot, it feels good, it's great. Say, hey, can you do this, the move you couldn't do before? And she said, yeah, I could only go like this. And then, hey, try it, try it now. What, can you do it now? And she did like, I'm not lying, she said, she did like this, whoosh, whoosh, <gasps> what's happening? Whoosh, whoosh, I can do it again, <gasps> wow. One touch of Jesus changes everything. So I, I made a commitment because I have these phases where 
I pray for people and stuff is happening and then I have too much fear of man to actually do the stuff I see and I think of and then um, I don't do it. So I made this commitment because I asked Todd, hey, do you also have phases? Never once. For 11 and a half years, no phases anymore. I gave so many, so many time of my life to the devil, I don't want to give him one second anymore. I just want to share Jesus and his love to other people and pray for them so that they experience the goodness of God and then might think, wow, this is actually a way totally different than this. And it could make sense. So there was not one day ever since then. The whole last week I was praying for people. My bank consultant, we went to grocery shopping and I told my little daughter, Eowyn, we are going to pray for people now. She said, Daddy, but you have to teach me how to do that. He said, yeah, I teach you. You choose the person and I pray for the person. You pray in your heart, okay? Okay, that's a good deal. So we were walking through the grocery store and she said, there's this older man on crutches in his 70s. So, hey, let's pray for him. He said, hey, what happened? What's your name? He said, my name is Hans. What happened to you? I had an accident with a truck and I have eight slip discs. So hey, I said, hey, would you mind? Could I pray for you that Jesus touches you and gets rid of the pain? He said, of course, please. So I did the same thing, you know, give me your hand, <laughs> pray, Jesus loves you. And I said, how do you feel? He said, it feels good. Right now I don't have any pain, and you know what's the coolest thing? You are the second person now that came to me and prayed for me, and it actually is a good feeling. Thank you so much. I haven't figured it out all. I don't see legs growing yet, but to be honest, I haven't tried it yet. What is your next step? This is my next step. So here's, I want to close with two Bible verses. Here's a, a verse that should encourage us to go one step at a time, to have Jesus touch us one more time, to never stop at one place because there's always more. 1 Corinthians 13. We don't yet see things clearly. We are still blurred, blurred church. But we are, we are squinting in a fog Peering through a mist, but it won't be long, ladies and gentlemen, before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. See it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. How good is that? We are still blurred, but there's going to be a day where the sun shines bright and then you're starting to know God as he already knows you. How good is that? Step by step, we're moving forward into more sight. Do you want that lifestyle? There's going to be a brighter day. A brighter day when Jesus comes back. And he gives you perfect sight. And you see all of a sudden everything. No suffering, no pain, no doubts, no questions anymore. You will see him. Your eyes will totally be opened. Why don't we all stand up on our feet? So I want to read you another verse that should encourage and build up our faith that we are never stop walking towards this direction. It's a prophecy about Jesus, his coming and his coming again. It's from Isaiah 35, a long verse, but I want to read everything to you because it's so good. Courage, take heart, God is here, right here, on his way to put things right and redress all wrongs. He is on his way, he'll save you, 
Blind eyes will be opened, deaf ears unstopped. Lame men and women will leap like deer. The voiceless break into a song. Springs of water will burst out, to into, out into the wilderness. Streams flow in the desert. Hot sands will become a cool oasis. Thirsty ground, a splashing fountain. Even lowly jackals will have water to drink and barren grasslands flourish richly. There will be a highway called the Holy Road, ladies and gentlemen. No one rude or rebellious is permitted on this road. It's for God's people exclusively. You and me, if you want to follow this way, it's for you and me exclusively. Impossible to get lost on this road. How good is that? It is impossible to get lost on this road. Are you with me? This is the good news. Not even fools can get lost. No lions on this road, no dangerous wild animals, nothing and no one dangerous or threatening, ladies and gentlemen. Only the redeemed will walk on it. The people God has ransomed will come back on his road. They'll sing as they make their way home to Zion, unfading halos of joy encircling their heads. Welcomed home with the gifts of joy and gladness as all sorrows and sighs scurry into the night. Let's worship him. Let's ask him that you see what his eyes already see, that your hearts might be opened. Let's worship him for a moment. Let's worship him.